Ooh, a step of the... All right, welcome back to A Step Further. This week, we're diving into Sunday's message about fear. And the question is, what fear? The Bible says perfect love casts out fear, so we shouldn't be having fear, right? And yet, the Bible also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that actually mean, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? And so those are the questions I want to dive into, and I want to... um, kind of go a little bit deeper from Sunday's message. But it all started off, I was it was really re- recollecting, excuse me, about a time when I was in a discussion with some pastors, and we were talking about the idea of free will. And the whole concept was centered around, you know, whether or not humans actually have free will, what that free will looks like if we do. And The one statement that was said was that God waits for his people to be faithful when, uh, in order for his way to be accomplished. And to which I I disagreed with. And Jonah was brought up in the discussion. And so I want to bring Jonah up into this discussion now. I'm just, I was considering the idea of the story of Jonah and. Did Jonah act in free will, and does God's plan or does his ways, do his ways trump Jonah's free will? And when you think about everything that God does for us, when you think about every all of God's plans, um, I don't believe in, in any way, shape, or form that, that God waits for his people to be faithful. And I think the reason I can say that is when I look at the story of Jonah, I think Jonah had an issue. Jonah had an issue with his knowledge or understanding of the Lord. So when you go into Jonah, Jonah is called to go to the Ninevites and preach a message of repentance. And if they would repent, that God would cease from destroying them. But if they would not repent and turn from their ways, that God would destroy the city of Nineveh and its inhabitants. Now, the people of Nineveh were evil people. These were people who were very uh, vile, and they were people who came against the Jewish people especially, um, and their methods of torture were cutting people open and um, putting a live cat inside of them, sewing it back up, and that cat would then have to claw its way out or eat its way out of the, the body. Uh, they would do this to their enemies, the people they didn't like. And um, so all of this, you know, was going on. And Jonah was told he was to go to Nineveh and preach this message of repentance. And again, if they repented, then God would cease from destroying them. But if they didn't repent, that God would destroy the city and its inhabitants. So Jonah doesn't want to go. I mean, when you when you think about all the, the wickedness that was going on in Nineveh, uh, and you can research that and look that up sometime. But when you're thinking about all the, the wickedness that was going on in Nineveh and the way that they treated people, you would think, well, these people need justice. You know, justice needs to be served here. Vengeance needs to be served here. So Jonah doesn't want to go. Jonah doesn't want to preach this message of repentance to the, the Ninevites. So it, what does he do? He 
deliberately disobeys God. He gets on a boat and he heads for the opposite direction. I believe he heads towards Tarsus. And interestingly enough, it just so happens that when he does this, that there's a storm that comes, you know, and he's asleep in the in the um, bottom deck. And so they call, they go down, they, they get him and they say, Jonah, dude, you need to pray. You need to pray to your God. We got this storm coming. And he goes, it's me. I know it's me. God found me out. You know, that kind of a thing. Throw me overboard and the storm will stop. Well, they throw Jonah overboard eventually. I mean, with much hesitation, obviously. But they throw Jonah overboard and sure enough, the storm stops. But see, that story doesn't end there for Jonah. And I'm sure that Jonah probably thought to himself, the story will end here. I'll just die and and everything will be okay. But I do not want to go to Nineveh. But it just so happens that after he's thrown overboard and the storm stops, that there's a whale waiting for Jonah to swallow this man up. Now, also just so happens that Jonah survives being swallowed by a whale, which doesn't happen, you guys. That's what makes this this story a miracle. That's what makes this a story of God and his hand at move and his hand at work. Uh, because these things just don't happen. That's why you could tell this to anybody and they would go, no man gets swallowed by a whale. And if he does, he doesn't survive. He just doesn't. So it just so happens Jonah's thrown overboard. It just so happens that a whale's waiting there to swallow him up. It just so happens that he spends three days and three nights in the belly of this whale, and he survives. And it just so happens that then he's thrown up onto the shore as whale vomit. (laughs) But where he's thrown up at is right where he needs to be to go right where God needs him to go. And that's the point of the story, is that God has his way. So we have, do we have free will to a point? Now, let me ask you this. Did God wait for Jonah to become faithful? No. God did everything to keep Jonah from going where Jonah wanted to go, because Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. So God wasn't waiting on Jonah to be faithful. Uh, but God put every everything in Jonah's path to keep him from going the opposite direction. So it stands to reason that God has his way. Now, Jonah pouts at the end of it. He goes, he finally goes to Nineveh. He preaches the message. Sure enough, they repent. And so Jonah pouts about it. And God has to tell Jonah, listen, Jonah, I have a huge investment here, bigger than you can imagine. These, these are my creation. This is my people. This is my creation. And I have an investment here that you don't understand or you don't know about. But what causes all this from the beginning and I think about, you know, if I were, if I disobeyed my parents, I know I'd get in trouble. You know, if I went out and did my own thing against their will, I would get in trouble. And inevitably, I would probably have to, if, if I disobeyed them, if I didn't do what they told me to do, I would have to do what they told me to do eventually. That would be where um, I'm at, you know, and so... I know that my parents, I I knew as a kid, my parents would have their way. I would get in trouble if I disobeyed and on and on and on. But Jonah seems to disregard that when it comes to God. Why? And I think that it's because Jonah does not have a healthy fear. In that moment, Jonah does not have a healthy fear of the Lord. And so because of that, when Jonah disobeys God, you know, God has to reveal 
that he is God. He has to reveal, hey, I am God, or more like I am the parent, you know, and you are my creation, you are my child, and you will do as I tell you. We can think that we can go against God's grain and that our that our free will and all of that. But this isn't a message about free will versus God's will. This is a message about fearing the Lord. And that's where Jonah fell fell. I mean, that's where he fell short. Is that Jonah didn't have a healthy fear of the Lord. Jonah didn't have a healthy fear of God is who he says he is. And we need to have that healthy fear of the Lord. Who God is who he says he is. And that should be a good fear. It should be something to say, I am in awe of who God is. I'm in awe of his character. I'm in awe of understanding who he is. I'm in awe of learning to comprehend just a, a fraction of who God is by seeing him at work always in my life, by seeing him at work always in the lives of those around me. And it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why is it the beginning of wisdom? Because when I operate in the foolishness of this world, when I operate like Jonah operated and I go, no, I've got free will here. I've got my own path that I can take. And sorry, God, sorry about your luck. You know, when I when I operate on that method, it's foolishness. But the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And the fear of the Lord will take me places that I didn't think that I should go. And the fear of the Lord will take me places that uh, will challenge my humanity. It will challenge my thinking. It will challenge my faith, everything. That's a powerful journey. Um, when we accept Jesus, you know, our faith and our livelihood and all that is not just smooth sailing from there. In fact, there's so much that would seek to come against us now, and there's so much that would seek to challenge our faith. Um, Those moments, though, are moments of growing. Those moments are moments of refinement. And even when we fall, and we fall short, you know, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but even when we fall and we fall short, uh, God uses that to refine us. God uses that to pick us back up. God uses that to mold us and make us and grow us. And we become better because of it. Our faith becomes stronger because of it. When we learn to fear the Lord, then we learn to accept all that the Lord has to offer. When we learn to accept all that the Lord has to offer, we learn to surrender. And when we learn to surrender, that is wisdom. When we learn to walk in the ways of the Lord, that is wisdom. Right? I mean, I think about David. David went out, you know. Well, let me back up. Let me back up. Well, I think about my own life and, and sin. I, I always question, I, like Paul in Romans 7, why do I do the things that I do? Like, why do I do the dumb things that I do? The things that I want to do, I don't do them. Uh, instead, I do the things that I, I hate doing. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And it says, thanks be to Jesus Christ. But I keep thinking, about, why do I do the dumb things that I do? Do I not have a healthy fear of the Lord? Why do I do the dumb things that I do? Here I am, looking at, living out my daily life. I think about, then I think about David. And I think about how David, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. David didn't commit adultery and commit murder before he was saved. 
Now, you have to understand, David was, before David ever was was crowned king, David was going to Goliath. And David was saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You know, you look at Goliath, and here's this nine-foot man. And in reality, it's just flesh and bone. Nine-foot man, flesh and bone. What makes that man fierce is the spirit behind that man. So if I think about, uh, I know some pretty tall people in my life, and people who are pretty strong, and um, I mean, if you were to look at them, you would think, wow, they're nothing to shy away from. They are some serious, you know, tall, strong men. Uh, But what makes them scary or what makes them uh, lovable, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, but what makes them scary or what makes them the opposite, we'll just go that route, is the spirit behind them. So if I, you know, if I look at a a six foot four guy or a six foot five or whatever guy, and I look at him and he, the spirit behind him is, is harsh and evil and all that, he becomes by definition scary. Now, if I look at a six foot four or six foot five guy who he's got a, a tender hearted, gentle, meek spirit. Then I see somebody who is not scary to me. Not that I think that I could beat him up or anything, but I see somebody who is different than this guy over here who has evil intentions, but it's all about the spirit behind it. But So David goes out and he sees Goliath, who's this nine-foot guy, and he sees this evil guy, this guy who is taunting a whole army of people. But David can't understand why this whole army of people is being taunted. Why are all of these Israelite people being taunted when these Israelite people are people who serve the living God? The spirit of the living God should be resting upon them, and they should not be afraid of this nine-foot man. Why are they afraid of this nine-foot man? You know? Why are they afraid of this guy? And so David walks out there, and David knows, because he fears the Lord, David knows that the spirit that rests with God's people is greater than any other spirit that comes against us. He knows that. He sees that, right? He looks at Goliath and he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Okay, now David's a young kid and he defeats Goliath. He looks at that and he goes, this flesh and bone and the spirit behind that is not greater than my God. By the power of the living God, I will defeat this giant. And not with the king's armor either, but with a little slingshot and some stones. Because I can attack the flesh and bone. And and when I bring that flesh and bone down, by the power of the Holy Spirit, when I bring that flesh and bone down, then um, I will take it captive. Now, he takes it captive by killing him. I mean, he lops his head off with a sword then. But the whole thing is that David defeats Goliath because David, the spirit that helps David out, which is the Holy Spirit, is greater than any other spirit that comes against. Okay, and David's going, look, I've wrestled with bears, I've wrestled with lions, this guy is nothing because I have the power of God behind me. Now, keeping that in mind, later in life, David commits adultery and commits murder. 
right? It's not like David wasn't saved. He was saved. He's a man who fell. He's a man who fell short. He's a man who did not, he, he fell to his flesh. And I, I guess I bring that up to you because Jonah's the same way. Jonah's this guy who, he loses sight of who God is and what God can do. Um, but I, I think about myself then. Like, I, I could attack David and go, David was an adulterer and a murderer. But he was so after he was saved, and yet God still considered him a man of his own heart. Why? Why? So I think about, why do I do the things that I do? The things I want to do, I don't do them. The things that I want to do, I want to serve the Lord. I want to I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. I want to walk in power and authority uh, because it's been given to me through Jesus, because all power and authority has been given to Jesus. So if I have that same authority because Jesus gave it to me, and I want to walk in that authority, I want to, those are the things I want to do, yet I don't do those things. Instead, I do the things that I hate to do. I sin. I'm a sinner at flesh. But, but God says, no, you're not a sinner. I've made you righteous and made you righteous by the blood of Jesus. So now I have to learn to walk in the blood of Jesus. I have to learn to put that blood of Jesus over the doorpost in my heart. Why? Because there's all kinds of things out there to come against me. But if I don't have a healthy fear of the Lord, then I'm not walking in His power, in His presence, in His authority. You know, I'm not walking in that faith. So I want to have a healthy fear of the Lord. I want to have a healthy fear of the Lord because this is who I'm supposed to be. This is the kind of person I'm supposed to be. I'm called to surrender myself to the Lord. Now, I do want to take you to um, Psalm 103, and I'm going to read it out of the complete Jewish Bible. Because like I was just saying, there's... There's so much out there that can come against you, right? Um, and I think when we grab a hold of the idea that we're not we're not fighting flesh, we're fighting spiritual principalities and and um, spiritual warfare. And when we get, grab a hold of that, then I think that we we start to look at life a little bit different because we can't see spiritual warfare. I mean. We can see the manifestation of it in the natural, like uh, what it's the the sort of cause and effect, and we can see that well, people are acting this way because of spiritual warfare or whatever, because of the spirit behind. But to understand that we are fighting the spirit behind what we see, so we are fighting the the unseen world here. Um, so, with that in mind, when we grab a hold of all that, I think that we approach life or begin to approach life a little bit differently. Um, and the healthy fear of the Lord has its benefits. I'm not necessarily all about, you know, finding the benefit for me in, in how I can serve the Lord. You know, what, like, okay, yes, I'll serve the Lord, but what's the benefit for me? I'm not necessarily into that. But um, I think that there are benefits, and I think that there are some benefits that we need to understand <clears throat> Because it will help us, you know, operate and move forward and and realize our strength in the Lord. And Psalm 103 is, like, it's, it's perfect for it. So, um, again, I'm reading out of the Complete Jewish Bible, and it says this. Uh, it's a psalm by David, and it says, 
excuse me, it says, bless Adonai, my soul, everything in me, bless his holy name. Bless Adonai, my soul, and forget none of his benefits. So here, I don't want to preach about benefits, and yet it says, forget none of his benefits. It says, he forgives all your offenses. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He surrounds you with grace and compassion. He contents you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. Adonai brings vindication and justice to all who are oppressed. I want to stop there for a minute because I I think that some things that we don't understand, when we go throughout our life and we go, why do we do the dumb things that we do, right? I, I said that. Why do I do the things that I do? The things that I want to do, I don't do, but the things I hate to do, those are the things that I do. And it says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he contents me with good as long as my... So he brings vindication and justice as to all who are oppressed. Well, what does that have to do with what I just said? I, if we want, again, when we understand that we're fighting spiritual warfare, we understand that there are spirits of oppression out there. There are things out there. and We can't explain it uh, in the natural and... And this sounds very esoteric, I know, or ethereal, but there are things going on in an unseen world, in a, in a spiritual realm, that cause oppression in our daily life. You ever go about your daily life, and then all of a sudden you feel anxious for no reason, or seemingly no reason? Or do you ever have those moments where you're you're having a good day, and then all of a sudden these bad thoughts just start coming into your head, and it just brings your day down. It turns your day around in, in such a bad way. Those are spirits of oppression. Those are they're things that, that happen in your life. They're, they're spirits that come about in your life to cause you oppression. And, and it says Adonai brings vindication and he brings justice to all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moshe or Moses, his mighty deeds to the people of Israel. Adonai is merciful and he's compassionate slow to anger, and rich in grace. Um, Merciful, catch that. He's merciful and compassionate. Why does he need to be merciful? Because we fall short. Why does he need to be compassionate? Because we fall short. Slow to anger and rich in grace. He will not always accuse, and he will not keep his anger forever. He has not treated us as our sins deserve, or paid us back for our offenses. Because his mercy toward those who, what, fear him, is as far above earth as heaven. Big statement. His mercy towards those who fear him is as far above heaven, earth as heaven. He has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Just as a father has compassion on his children, Adonai has compassion on those who fear him. For he understands how we are made. He remembers that we are dust. Yes, a human being's days are like grass. He sprouts up like a flower in the countryside. But when the wind sweeps over, it's gone, and its place knows it no more. But the mercy of Adonai on those who fear him is from eternity past to eternity future. Catch that again, verse 17. The mercy of Adonai on those who fear him is from eternity past to eternity future. 
and his righteousness extends to his children's children. Provided they keep his covenant and remember to follow his precepts. Okay, and then it says in 19, Adonai has established his throne in heaven. His kingly power rules everything. Bless Adonai, you angels of his, you mighty warriors who obey his word, who carry out his orders. Bless Adonai, all his troops who serve him and do what he wants. Bless Adonai, all his works in every place where he rules. Bless Adonai, my soul. So when I come to this realization of fearing the Lord in a way that it's a good, solid fear, it's, it's, and I think as believers, you know, it's becoming more and more apparent what the fear of the Lord is nowadays. Um, if you've been in, in, um, if you've been in the church for long enough, you've probably heard somebody say it, I guess, um, or if you've listened to enough teachings over the course of time, you've probably heard enough people talk about the fear of the Lord, what it is, you know, the idea of not being afraid of the Lord, like, oh, I'm, like, Adam was afraid. When you go back to the Garden of Eden, right, Adam was afraid of the Lord, and it said that he hid because he was naked and afraid. And so we're not talking about that that kind of fear. We're talking about a fear of the Lord that is, like, being in awe of the Lord, uh, being in awe of all of who He is. And but also understanding that God is God, the Lord is who He says He is. Um, he is merciful, He is merciful, and He's slow to anger, and He's rich in grace, and He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He forgives us, in fact, of all of our offenses, and He heals all of our diseases. So, we're here walking around with all this stuff, and 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 again, I don't like to focus on the benefits necessarily, but these are benefits we need to know. We're here walking around with all this baggage on our shoulders, right? All of this baggage on our uh, on ourselves, and, and it's weighing us down. It is in itself a spirit of oppression. We're dealing with all of these things, and yet it says, look, if you fear the Lord, He forgives you of all your offenses, and He heals you of all your diseases, and He redeems your life from the pit. So you don't have to worry about those things anymore. Now you can take that baggage off. I remember there's a video, um, and you can look it up. It's a music video, and it's uh, Michael W. Smith, and the song is called Signs. And when you watch it, it the premise of the the music video is all about Pilgrim's Progress, the the book Pilgrim's Progress, which is this guy who determines that he, he needs to go on a journey, and the journey is essentially the journey for him coming to the Lord. And in the music video, it, it shows the part where um, the guy has all of his baggage, and he ends up taking it to the cross. He finds his way to the cross, and he's he's able to drop that baggage and and be able to move forward. In the book, uh, he comes to the point of the cross, and he's able to drop that baggage, and he's able to move forward and and go into unknown territory. But you have to understand, and and we are all on a sort of a journey in life, uh, and we're all pilgrims in this world. I mean, we all are going to die at some point. This this life here is temporary. This and so, if you're out there and you're not a believer and you're going, I don't know that I believe in another life or an eternal life or whatever. Um, 
then this life is all that you recognize and all you have. Uh, either way, and and by the way, as a believer, of course, I do believe in that, and I do um, I believe in an I mean I believe in an afterlife, and so I I do know that there is a life after this, and there's a journey that in this life is just temporary, and this life is sort of like practice for an eternal life. And I think that this life is all about learning who the Lord is, what the Lord's capable of, um, what the Lord is doing for us. You know, in Revelation, it says, um, in fact, let me just go there. It's Revelation 22. And I I think that, and I've used this in, in sermon in recent sermons, but um, I think that we have to understand that we have access to the kingdom of heaven even now. Uh, and so 20, let's see, let me find it. Revelation 22 says, How blessed are those who wash their robes so that they have the right to eat from the tree of life and go through the city, the gates into the city. And then it says, Outside are the dogs. Um, and and he goes on to a list of all of these things that the people who are wicked or whatever are outside. And you're going, oh, wait a minute. And if you read the Bible, it talks about how um, that those who aren't going to heaven are pretty much, they enter into a second death. How can they be right outside? And the fact is, you can access the kingdom of heaven now. Like you have access to the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew 28, I, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So the fact that he, everything and all the attributes of God we have access to. So, But it says that his mercy extends to those who fear him. And it's his mercy is, is as far above earth as heaven, and it says that it is from eternity past to eternity future. That's that's what Psalm 103 talks about. The, the mercy of Adonai are those things on those who fear him and those benefits, you know, as we're walking through, that we can go to the cross. We can get rid of that baggage. That's the point of this whole is that we can get rid of the baggage. We can go to the cross and then take care of all that and then move forward because guess what it's at the cross he forgave us of all of our offenses it's the cross he healed all of our diseases it's the cross he redeems our life from the pit and he surrounds us with grace and compassion and he contents us with good as long as we live that's a promise so that your youth is renewed like the eagles you know it happens at the cross and when we realize that that God loves us so much that fear of the lord stems from love, you know, and it says perfect love, the, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Well, what kind of fear? Not the kind of fear of the, of the, that we should have for the Lord, but a fear that is, that is um, being afraid of or, um, you know, sort of shying away from, like Adam in the garden. Again, like I'm going to hide from the Lord. I'm going to shy away from the Lord because I'm afraid I'm afraid. You know, perfect love casts out fear. I don't have to worry about being punished. I don't have to worry about condemnation anymore. Um, I don't have to worry about those things, but I have a healthy fear of the Lord. My God is who he says he is, and he loves me. 
My God is who he says he is. He, he, he loves me. As I move forward, he loves me. And I don't have to worry about that baggage anymore. It's kind of like my dad can beat up your dad. Remember those days as a kid, my dad's better than your dad, you know. Um, that's what we used to do as kids. But that's how you feel about the Lord is that my God is great. Greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. And I can face and do all things because of my God. That's all having fear of the Lord. That's all knowing that all that is is knowing that God is who he says he is. He is the God of gods. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he is powerful. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that stands before me, that taunts an army of people. Come on, I serve the living God. I serve the living God. And he, there is nothing that can defeat him. And that spirit that lives in me is more powerful than that spirit that rests in that nine-foot giant. The spirit that lives in me is so powerful that he raised Jesus from the dead. He's the same spirit that led the people out of Israel into the wilderness and into the promised land eventually. He's the same spirit that took Elijah in a chariot of fire. He's the same spirit that, uh, just, that brought Jonah out of a boat into the water, into the belly of a whale, threw him up on the land, and took him right where he needed to be. Now, at the end of it, Jonah wept. Why did Jonah weep? Because he knew that what would happen is the Ninevites would repent. And so what does God say to him? Now, catch this. This is like Psalm 103 here. What does God say to him? He says, Jonah, I have so much more of an investment than you do here in this moment with these people. These are my creation, and I need to give them the opportunity to turn around because they are mine. They are my investment. You guys, you are God's investment. I don't care if you believe or not. You are God's investment. And so I I pray that you would see the Lord for who he is. I pray that he would reveal himself for who he is, not just in your life, but in the lives of those around you. And that you would be able to stand up and say, that's the God I want to serve. That's the God I want to serve because he forgives me of all my offenses. He heals me of all my diseases and he redeems my life from the pit. Jeez, if there's an afterlife out here, I want to be in a good place in the afterlife. You know, uh, he surrounds me with grace and compassion. What? What other kind of God does that? There is no other God. He contents you with good as long as you live, and, and your youth is renewed like an eagle's. This is a God who loves his, his creation. This is a God who loves his people. But it says his mercy is for those who fear him. And in other words, we need to be in that relationship with him as well. And we need to recognize him for who he is. Because if we don't, if we if we shy away from him, if we fear him in the bad way, if we if if we're afraid of him and we say, No, I don't I don't want this. Instead of fearing him and saying he is awesome, then we miss out on all of these amazing things. 
I pray that you would experience his salvation. I pray, and not just, not just that you would say, oh, Jesus is Lord and be saved, but that you would experience his salvation on the daily, that you would experience uh, his vindication and justice, that you would experience his mercy and compassion and his grace, and that you would know that your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. He's not treated you as your sins deserve. I pray that you would know these things. I know for me, I'm on a journey, and my journey is my I think my journey is learning how to put the baggage down. Um with the strength of the Lord, of course, but learning who I am in the Lord. I think that's my journey. And in my journey is being able to daily put down the bad, daily put down the baggage, and surrender myself to the ways of the Lord because I fear Him. And I know in that fear, he forgives, he heals, he redeems, he surrounds, he contents, and his mercy is for me. That's where I'm at, and I pray that that's where you could be at, too. Listen, I hope to see you on a Sunday morning, eight, or 9.30, not 8.30, that would be fun, <laughs> 9.30 a.m., and um, I pray that it's that you would just, you. I would love to see you in person, but if you can't, uh, Facebook Live, YouTube, we do live on YouTube as well. Um, and then, of course, here. I haven't I haven't recorded um, consistently, I guess, each week. Um, sometimes I feel like I've said all I need to say on that Sunday morning. So definitely, uh, if you can't make it on a Sunday morning, if you can't watch live on a Sunday morning, um, those videos are they still remain on our Facebook page and on our YouTube page. Definitely go back and listen to them. Um, I just sometimes I don't record on here on this podcast because I think I feel like anyway that I've said all I need to say. So um, in that message on Sunday and and the point of this podcast really is to just take that step further into it. Like if I couldn't say all that I needed to say on a Sunday morning that I could dive deeper into the message. So um, it's not consistent that I'm recording each week. Sometimes, um, especially as of late, I feel like I've said all that I need to say on Sunday. So uh, definitely tune in for those things. I also have a YouTube channel, personal YouTube channel, New Start Ministry with Jason Vandermark. So if you haven't checked that out yet, I definitely encourage you to do so. I'm doing a Daniel study right now. And in that Daniel study, I'm... I've been going through the book of Daniel. There's a lot of information. So I've kind of come to my final week with that, I think. I don't know. Um, We're going to see how this pans out. But I've done at least seven videos. Uh, This week is going to be part eight. And I'm going to be in chapter eight. Actually, chapter 10, 11, and 12. We just did chapter eight. So, But we're going to kind of bounce back to chapter eight. Uh, for a couple things, but if you want to join in on that, dive in, read those chapters, and join in. I would definitely encourage you to start from the beginning, though, if you haven't. 
Um, but anyway, I would love to see you over there. I can't think of any other place that I'm doing a platform for teaching. So uh, I love you. I hope that you've had an amazing week. I hope that, um, again, that you would see the Lord and experience the Lord in a mighty way. I love you, and I will see you soon.